everyone. This is Matthew Chouinard here from Greater Purpose Health and Fitness and the Purpose Shift Life Coaching Company. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody, on this episode of Stories That Sell, I chat with my very good friend, Matt Chouinard. Uh, Matt is a follower of Christ, first and foremost, and family comes after that. He played competitive sports his whole life, and he found a passion for health and fitness along the way. That transitioned him into entrepreneurship, real estate, fitness, and life coaching. Currently, he is working on writing his first book. He loves adventures and out doors and the beauty of the mountains and he is on a mission to pursue daily purposeful discomfort in the hopes of personal growth and development and we talk a lot about all those things and i'm really excited for this episode so stay tuned hey before we get started imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments nurturing leads processing payments sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S forgyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Hey, hey, Matt, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on. Thanks for having me, Scott. Excited to be here. Yeah, so we uh, were talking a little bit before this. I think that's how I start every podcast, by the way. I was talking to my guests before this. I should re push record, but um, I'm super excited to have you on because I know you have a great story that's led to a uh, very uh, active mind in the entrepreneurial world. Um, so, uh, how's your day going, man? It's going good. Uh, yeah. just had a few appointments this morning and looked at some pieces of land to potentially put a little prefab cabin on. Yeah. You, uh, you kind of just jumping into this real estate world and going full steam ahead, which is, is really cool. So, before we kind of jump into some of the things that you're doing, I would love to hear the story of, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today and, and kind of what's led you to this point in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, uh, my family and I grew up on an acreage, mom, dad, two brothers. We played hockey our whole lives, competitive hockey. Both my brothers were goalies. So those of you who are in Canada know that that's an expensive venture for sure. Having goalies and let alone three hockey players in the family. I don't know how our parents fed us. We ate a lot of food, averaged two steaks per night. And when we had meals and a bunch of potatoes, because we're fairly big people, I'm six foot six and that uh, played well into hockey for the most part. And I'll get to that later. And that kind of stems into why, where I am now. Uh, we are homeschooled so we could do a lot more activities and go outside and explore and see different things and have more time for, like I said, sports. And then as I went on, played hockey competitively, played uh, junior hockey, which is in Canada would be like semi-professional. And then there would be, I was listed with Saskatoon Blades, which is a WHL team, which there would be uh, for those of you in the U S would be, um, Seattle 
Thunderbirds, that's the same, same level of hockey. And then as I went on, I started to get a lot of concussions because I'm a big guy. People would jump to hit me and I'd be a target. They want to fight me, mm. but I'm kind of a gentle green giant. I didn't really want to fight. Uh, I feel like I was, maybe I think I was more skilled than I was, but I wanted to be more of the skilled player. I wanted to make the smart plays on the ice and not, not have to be the goon or to use my size because that's what usually happens, right? If you're a big player, you have usually have to use your size or you're not taking advantage of quote unquote, your gifts or your talent, talent being your size. So over time, I got a lot of concussions. By the time I hit college, I was playing, I got my seventh concussion and that took me like two months. I was playing at Bible college. I was out of hockey for two months and it just wasn't worth it anymore. I was engaged to my now wife, Jalisa, and I didn't want to risk not being able to have an intelligent conversation <laughs> as the years <laughs> went on with her. So from there, I was done school. I did two years there, took some business uh, courses. I didn't finish with a degree, took some business courses, played some hockey, took some uh, Bible courses, started working in the trades. I was an apprentice for um, electrician. Then I did some construction, some framing that was a grind. I mean, I'm from just outside Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I was being, I was an apprentice for electrical work, electrician work in the winter. So we were roughing in houses in minus 30 degree weather, minus 20 degree weather, and you can't wear gloves. So that's Celsius, minus 30 Celsius. Can't wear gloves. How do you even operate without gloves in that cold of weather? I mean, that doesn't even compute with me. No, you have this big, heater that blows air into the building so you can warm up your hands for a little while and then you go and do some more work pull some wire but you're pulling enough wire right through the house roughing it in that you get fairly warm uh, i could say that's the strong one of the strongest i've ever felt because i was working eight hours plus pulling wire doing this hard labor and then i started when we were in edmonton my wife and i just newly married we i started going to a crossfit gym because uh, I was intrigued by this. I saw a commercial when I was in school for CrossFit. It's the only one I ever saw on TV, but it just looked like something I'd be into. So I started going to a gym. I started internshiping there, an internship there uh, while my wife was in school. And there's a big part to my story that does have my wife involved in it. It's when we first got married. So I, we were... Uh, doing a long distance relationship when we were engaged and my wife started to develop an eating disorder, exercise addiction, a pretty severe one. So that developed while we were apart. And then when we got married, it was probably at its worst. And I would Mm -hmm. say probably for four, we've been married coming this may we'll be married for 10 years. And for the first four or five, it was pretty difficult in that way. And that, that played a lot into the purpose shift, my coaching, my life coaching business now. And I'll get to that in a little bit here, but I started to notice that we chase things because we don't know who we are. We try to guard ourselves or put this mask on with accomplishments or significance, even from sometimes a disorder, right? Like it gives us significance or it makes us feel seen. So that was what we were dealing with when we were in Edmonton, moved back home to Camrose. I remember sitting in a coffee shop just before we moved back to Camrose, which is my hometown I grew up in and telling Julissa in five years from now, I'm going to own a CrossFit gym. Mm. So I believe it was three years after that, I opened a gym with my then uh, business partner, Deanna, and we started in her garage. We slowly expanded. And now we are greater purpose, health and fitness, which is an umbrella company for across the gym, nutrition, fitness coaching, and mindset coaching. But at that time, it was, that was my first kind of feeling of, I'm going to put my mind to this and I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm going to make sure this happens because I I'm passionate about it. I want this to happen. I feel like I need to do this. It's on my heart. It took, it wasn't just like this. I mean, I went home back home, 
Uh, Jaleesa lived in Edmonton, still went to school as she was becoming a nurse. And I started doing construction, hurt my back really bad, uh, was told to get surgery, couldn't lift weights really for two years. Super frustrating because I mean, that was, I was no, I was an athlete, right? So talking about that identity piece, that's why I started to believe that's what gave me value, right? So when I couldn't lift weights, I wasn't playing hockey anymore. I was just doing a job that wasn't, I would say, wasn't my passion or my purpose. You start to feel pretty heavy. And that was probably the hardest time for me. So having a wife going through this, feeling like I don't even know how to do marriage without these problems going on. How, how do I be a good husband to a wife who's going through this? And like you said, said at the start, like I have faith, I believe in Christ. And how do I be this unconditional love when there's this thing that's so heavy in our relationship? So that, that was a really good opportunity for me to actually realize what love meant. And it wasn't um, a reciprocation thing or a transactional thing. It's, no, you committed to this. You, there's this covenant, you you committed to giving all of yourself, no matter what, that's what you have to do. And honestly, I think that's how it started to heal. And Jaleesa started to see that she has value outside of what she does or doesn't do, or if she works out all the time and that was, she was released from that. And then quit my construction job. Cause I hurt my back and I said, I'm going to go start working as a personal trainer. So I got all my education for that. Started as a personal trainer. I was making probably $900 a month while Julius is in school. And we joke. It's, I don't know if it's a good joke or a bad joke, but we didn't eat much, right? Because obviously when you have an eating disorder, you don't eat much. So we paid off all our student loans like in a year and a half. So there's, there's good in that, but I would not recommend doing that. Um, so I was barely making any money. But I knew I was passionate about that. I was committed to making this work. And then Jaleesa got a job, so that helped us out. And then dove into opening the gym. Now we are eight years, nine, eight or ninth year of owning the CrossFit gym slash health and fitness facility. And two, three, two years ago, I started the Purpose Shift, which is my coaching company, helping people live with purpose, find meaning and live a fulfilling life outside of fear. So that's where I mentioned before, um, the reason being a big guy in hockey plays into that is I would play timid. So I had a lot of division one and professional um, level hockey teams wanting me to play for them but there's just always this aspect that I, I would play timid, not like an aggressive goon way, but I would play with fear. Mm. So if I had let, if I would lean into that fear and understand what that was and not let it control me, I would have been able to accomplish more and achieve a higher level of success in that sport. So that's where this kind of stems from purpose shift is it follows you outside of sports too. It, it can lead into your professional life. It can lead into your family life. When you start doing things because you're scared or making decisions out of emotions, it limits your life. And once you understand that time is our most precious currency, you can't make more of it. You can't get it back. Right? Once you've spent it, you spent it. You don't know how long you have. So why let something steal it away from you? And I think that fear and that anxiety and worry is what takes our ability away to live a full and fulfilling life. And I don't mean like achieving all these great things. I mean, it's awesome. I love that I opened a gym. I'm passionate about starting new businesses and doing Airbnbs and all these different things, but I do it because I'm passionate about it, not because... I think that it's going to give me this fulfilling fulfillment and happiness. It's the actual pursuit and the journey that does. Yeah. That's really, really quite interesting to kind of look at the, um, 
the beginning of kind of your entrepreneurial drive, your, your, your search and how that stems from something different than a lot of people. And I, um, I mean, you started with this, I, a little bit of an identity crisis, right? I'm, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. That's your story. Uh, and then you did this apprenticeship or this, this electrician, which is totally outside. Did you feel lost at that time when you're doing that? Like, or were you numb? Like, what was the experience moving from playing hockey to you know, doing electric work? I think I'm a pretty self-aware person, I'd like to say. So I, I knew that I couldn't be one of those people that lived in the past and said I could have made it this far mm -hmm. in hockey because that, that would drive me crazy, right? And that's not what the meaning is. But I knew this is not something I wanted to do, like electrical work. It, my mind's always up in the clouds, right? And if I can get to a flow state with electrical work, and it helps me do something outside, then yes, that's a bonus. Like I like cutting lawn, I like cutting wood, I like doing things so I can release my mind to dream a bit. But what I was doing it for then was just to provide for our family and get us started. So there was purpose in that for me, but I knew, I was like, I can't do this my whole life. Like it was, I'd feel drained, but not, not physically drained. Cause I like hard work, but like spiritually and emotionally drained, like I just didn't feel right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so being self-aware as you're going through that and, and then you, you kind of latch on to the, the CrossFit dream, the dream of starting a business. Um, what, what kind of brought your awareness to maybe your misalignment of identity because i think a lot of entrepreneurs entrepreneurial entrepreneurs go through this where there is a place in their career where they've worked so hard for what they've done and they've put in so many hours that then they look back and they're like wow i'm always saying i'm a business owner or an entrepreneur and that's really not who they are it's what they no. do honestly it didn't happened to like two or three years ago. So when I was, when I first started the business, I was running like all seven classes. So I was running the business. I was doing all the classes, coaching all the classes. And I was burnt out. Like I, I had something called chronic, chronic hives. So like, oh wow, uncomfortable hives. And I went to the doctor's office and they said, there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, no, that can't be true. I know I know these like warning signs for something. So that time I was working seven hours a day doing business stuff on the side. I was washing the floors. I was doing all this stuff. My mom got lung cancer. We just moved into a house. We just moved our business. So it's like all these external stresses that just forced my body to stop. And I was thinking to myself, I can't do this for the rest of my life. How do I, I look all around and you're supposed to be doing a nine to five job. And that's the way to retirement. Once you're retired, then you're happy. And then you do that whole spiel. But I was like, I can't, I can't see myself doing that. So I hired two brain business. And then when I was around these people, it's a, a business mastermind for gyms. I was like, oh, like that you can actually be a business owner. Right. And there's certain people that like visionaries or uh, like you, like you are an integrator that thrive in the business world and entrepreneurship. And I had no clue about that because I'm from a small town where I never really noticed that. Like there are entrepreneurs here, but you don't really hear about them. So when I got surrounded by this circle of people, I was like, this is cool. This is what I want to do. I want to systemize. I want to create a legacy for people and I want to make a difference. So that's when I had that shift. I was like, this is something I do for the rest of my life. And I don't have to just do it in the gym. And it's something that I don't ever want to retire from. Like, even when I'm on vacation, I feel bad sometimes. It's like when I rest, that's when my ideas happen and it, it makes me thrive. So if I have to do administrative stuff and all these tedious things, like I mentioned before, I can just feel my energy getting sucked out of me. That's such a good lesson because I think one thing that you and I've talked about a lot and something I've learned a lot is learning where 
we kind of have our our genius right like our genius is my genius is in the getting things systemized doing um making it as 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 well-oiled machine solving problems getting in there and and um and then you're like on this completely opposite spectrum of just an idea machine like i i I have a little vision i've always my vision is more uh, has always been i want to do more i want to own my own thing i want to do my own thing i want to create yours is totally different it's it's on a very very high level visionary i'll even share with the audience like when i talk with matt i i would be surprised if there's not four to five different ideas that are actually workable that have he will share if he was to unleash open the tap and tell me he has ideas flowing at all times and i think it's just really important for that message to get out is the way that your um the way that your mind and and everything works you've got to learn that and you've taught me that too you've got to learn what that is and operate in that so do you feel like you had this visionary this 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 mode of operation in a very visionary way early on or you know you said you were kind of like you were homeschooled you you're in this family where it's kind of self-contained do you think that limited that vision like it's I'm very curious of like when that really blossomed or if it was always there. I think it would be the opposite. I would. So I went to high school and I, we sat in the classroom and didn't do much, right? Like it was just felt like we were being managed. And when I was at home, like we would go do stuff. My younger brother, he would finish his schoolwork in two hours from 6am to eight and he'd be done for the rest of the day and he'd do whatever he want. He'd read, he'd play with Legos me. And this maybe would be answer your question. I think that's where more of the visionary dreamer comes in to play. I would, I would do schoolwork for 20 minutes and then I would go play outside for two hours, creating and exploring and just dreaming. And I come in do 20 minutes of work. I probably drove my mom crazy, bless her heart. But, I think that's where looking back, I went to see that then, but looking back is like, you often think it's like, if you, if I compare myself to my brother who was super productive and could get it done, right? In the school sense and being in school, that'd be the thing to do, but I couldn't, like I get antsy and I need to go outside. I need to go do these things. But now looking back, that's good that my mom let me because I think that's what helped me flourish in that. And then growing up, and then realizing the more people I talked to, I thought differently or I saw the world differently, like a more abstract slash weirdly concrete way, like just bouncing ideas off each other and noticing that their face kind of looks confused. I was like, oh, maybe people think differently. And that's been the past two years is just being really curious about how different people function and their gifting. So that's something I'm really passionate about too, is getting to know someone and trying to put them in a position or an area of life where they can live into the person they've been created to be. Because if I continued to do administrative work or something of that nature, I don't know. Like I feel like physically you probably get sick too, spiritually, mentally, physically emotionally sick how many people do you think out there right now like in uh, maybe a little bit of a zombie trance of and and dealing with these physiological effects of doing things that don't fit really their purpose and they don't even know i think it's probably way more rampant than most people would think yeah and that it's like the golden handcuff thing right how tight are your golden handcuffs what are you working so hard for? Are you working so hard and wanting to achieve this level of success because that's what you think people admire you for, or you want to buy more things, but then you realize that you spend eight hours a day in something you hate trying to impress people that you don't really know working for an arbitrary number of retirement. And then most people haven't invested their health and fitness. So they get sick. And they, they basically just waste a lot of time. I don't, I tried to 
tiptoe around that because I don't, it's not like I'm trying to scare people. I'm not, but that's what I'm passionate about. Like that, it hurts me. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'd say I'm an empathetic person. It's, and I just come to realize that about myself too. And I appreciate it. Just let me talk like this, but someone doesn't have to tell me something's wrong. And it's a really annoying thing for my wife, (laughs) but I can just feel it. Like literally I can feel it and I can't feel just like ignore it or whatever, but I can't. And so it's like this deep connection when I see that. And when I see people burdened by this burdened by specifically feeling lost in their life. I mean, you, you can still have fulfillment and joy in what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that empathetic, like that insight, I kind of, you know, I I relate to that a little bit because I'll look at my wife. I'm like, what is going on? And it drives her crazy because she just wants to like deal with it and doesn't, you know, is pretty guarded. My wife is pretty guarded that way. Um, But uh, very in tune with how other people are responding or acting. And it's a little bit of a curse because you just want to help. I, I totally get it. I don't think everybody operates that way for sure. No. I can't ignore it. I, I absolutely cannot ignore it. Um, so this deep desire to, to help other people like get through this process and really understand their, their, their true purpose and, and um, what they need to be doing in their life. I mean, how did you discover that for yourself? So I was talking about, um, Chris Cooper was helping me formulate my first book I should write. And so I created something over this past year, past two years of the pandemic called the health and fitness flywheel, basically five areas of life that we need to invest time and energy into physical, spiritual, mental, um, purpose and connection like community. And then he asked, what would be the most the easiest one for you to write about? And I said, probably purpose. And his response is like, that's probably the hardest thing to write about for most people. So it's been difficult, but being that I am such an abstract thinker and I like to connect and I like to see similarities between ideas or modalities or people to people and ideas to people and ideas to ideas. That's where I started to notice it's, it's about who you are as a person first and foremost, right? So for me, my identity is in Christ, like who I've been made to be. And I can't take credit for anything. I can work hard for it, but I'm grateful for every opportunity I have and who I've been designed to be. And every situation, good or bad, I know can be, can be good. But then realizing that we're living outside of who we've been designed to be. And that's the first, like if it's a hierarchy, you can picture a pyramid at the bottom is the identity piece. So most of the time we try to mask ourselves in money, success, accolades, uh, education, uh, athletic prowess, or we do the opposite. We believe that we're a failure. We believe that we're never going to amount to anything. So we, we, we identify, like you said, at the start, I am not an entrepreneur. Like that's a label. That's a title. I am not a CEO. I am not a husband. Those are things I do, but who am I in those? So that's the first thing I try to tackle with people is helping them understand who they are in things they do. You have to understand who you are and what you do and not what you do being who you are. That's where a lot of confusion is because speaking of athletes, like there's so many athletes, once they're, once they're done hockey, they don't know who they are. They become depressed, addicted. Um, they lose this purpose because they've been built up to believe that their significance is found from what they do on the ice or the field of play. That's not true. So from there, it's the identity piece. Next, I believe, I don't have in front of me, I think it's vision or time. So who you are, then you use that to invest in different things with your time. So how do you use your time? How are you impacting people? Because the next one is impact. And then actually, sorry, vision is under impact, which is where do you want to go? 
where do you want your life to go? Because I don't think we'll truly know our full purpose while we're here on earth, but we can have, like, that's a macro purpose. It's more about the micro purpose. What am I doing each and every day in all these different things, all these different titles, all these different hats? That's more about what the purpose is, finding purpose in every little thing and driving towards that. That's the impact. How am I impacting people, societies, environments around me? with who I am, with my time, then it's the legacy. That's the top. So what legacy am I leaving by how I impacted people, by how I invest my time, by who I am? Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot to unpack. I mean, you, that, that hierarchy, you just walked through that stair step where you started, I believe most early business owners, entrepreneurs get stuck. And I think typically it's years. I know I followed that pattern. Uh, I was a teacher and a bike shop owner. And when I decided to shut down the bike shop to give my family some time, I literally felt like I had lost half of my identity, like out of just immediately overnight. And it pushed me into some dark places. And how, I mean, how prevalent do you think that is for so many business owners? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, Because we're always chasing some arbitrary number, some arbitrary number, some arbitrary milestone that we, unless there's significance and there's purpose behind it, then why are we chasing it? Right. So you always have to ask yourself the question, why am I doing what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it for someone else? Or is there a deep meaning behind it? And I believe that when it all comes down to it, it has to be in some way, shape or form of service to something else. Something can't be stripped from you overnight, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because if I, if I say, okay, uh, let's say I create a million dollar company. Okay. What if I lose that? Then am I still, am I a failure then? Am I just going to shrivel up and not do anything else? No, because this is the big thing. I think it was, Um, Mike McCallowitz, I think, yes, we had a seminar in our mastermind with him and he talked about, he calls himself a business steward. And I like that. I like the idea that these are not ours to keep. My relationship is not mine to keep. My businesses are not mine to keep. My truck, all these different things, these, my dog, right? And then once you realize that, that these aren't yours to keep, that you can't protect them, you can't hold on to them, and even your life. Like you can't protect it so much that you can't enjoy it. Once you release that and you surrender into that, then you have the ability to be grateful and fully enjoy everything for what it is because you know it's meant to be shared. Your gifts are meant to be shared. Your platforms, platforms being your businesses, your relationships, they're meant to be shared. But this aspect of fear is stealing your ability to share them. Okay, let's shift from fear because I think this is really good. I, I really like where this is going. But you you mentioned in your or in the bio, and I, I know you, you're really, really adamant about doing uncomfortable things, stepping out of your comfort zone. So how is this helpful in um, someone's purpose? How has this helped you? I think more, you know, like, first of all, like, what do you mean? Second of all, what do you do? And third, how does it help you? Looking back in my hockey career, I noticed that it limited me, right? This not wanting to get uncomfortable. And my biggest fear besides being caught in a tight space is public speaking. To tell me that like five years ago, if you told me I was going to be on podcasts and be sharing myself on social media every single day, I'd be like, nope. I was asked to be an MC at someone's wedding and I had to say no. Like I felt like puking. I felt like I was going to get sick because that's how fearful I was of it because I was scared of what people would think. Uh, I'd be scared of making a mistake. And that's kind of the identity piece is believing that that's what matters when in reality it doesn't. So now what I do is slowly but surely I just invested my time talking about that hierarchy again of purpose into things that make me uncomfortable. Okay. So this thing makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go into the ice bath. So that's what I do. What's one of the things 
I do cold exposure every single day because it's scary and it's painful. And my body, I want to teach my body how to react to this thing. Um, I tell people that I admire them. Like if I are a quality that I admire, cause that's scary too. Right. Uh, I work my very best to try to love my wife without expectations of anything in return, which she does, but I know that that's scary. That's vulnerability. And without, I think that's what it comes down to is discomfort comes down to vulnerability. When you put yourself in the ice bath, you're making yourself vulnerable to the elements. It's, it's uh, element training. When you, when you say that you care for someone first, or when you do an act of love to someone first, you are being vulnerable. There's a chance it might not work. When you play to your fullest ability without holding back in your sport, you're being vulnerable to injury, right? You, there's a chance, but that also opens it up, you up to experiencing joy to the fullest. You have to be fully vulnerable. And then once you continue to do that and you start to realize that, the addicting part for me was realizing that once I continue to do this more and more, things opened up in my life. I started to realize, oh, I was limiting myself. Mm-hmm. Like you start to look around, people are just limiting themselves. It's not the external things. No, it's them. Yeah, I, I've been, you know, we've been friends for a while and watching you do your ice, ice baths. Let me give the listeners a little bit of a visual. You live in a very, very cold area in the winter and he has a, you have a trough, like a feeding trough, <laughs> yes. a, a metal treat, feeding trough in the back. And um, you, you do an amazing job because you, you document this every day and you literally have to go out there with a hammer and break the top an ice. axe. Yeah. And, okay. Even better. You have yeah. to go out there with an axe, break the ice that's, that's um, formed since the day before. And it's not thin. I mean, it's not like just a, a little crack. It's, it's a pretty good work. And then you get in, <laughs> you get in. Not only that I've watched, um, when you go out on adventures, you're going into the wilderness and you've got these bodies of water that have got to be 40 degrees or less. Yep. I'm talking yep. Fahrenheit. Sorry. I'm not in the, the Celsius world, but no, nope, you're but, right. Yeah. And, um, I just, I, I struggle with imagining how to do that, but I'll tell you what, it's been super inspiring to me. I've been on this path of doing hard things, but what I found is that I did hard things enough that they became comfortable. I don't know if you could ever get comfortable with cold, cold exposure. You can. Wow. Well, how you react to it. It's a mental thing, right? It's not necessarily that it gets easier. You don't feel the pain. You just been there enough times before. And I think that it comes, that's the same thing with a lot of things, right? If you don't explore that, if you don't venture into that scary, unknown, uncomfortable thing, you don't know what it's like. But once you dip your toe, I mean, good example. Once you dip your toe in the water and you do that a bunch of times, you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. I'm going to be okay. And then you start to realize, you start to attach yourself to the byproduct, not the actual action. Because it's not comfortable being in the cold water. And the reason I document myself is because I'm even more uncomfortable putting myself out there for people to judge me. So it's a double whammy of discomfort and doing hard things for me. Yeah. Once you start to do that, you, you start to attach yourself to the byproduct of being ready to handle the test. The test being, I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. So by doing these cold exposures, by doing these hard things every single day, I truly believe I was better able to handle this pandemic and lead, lead through it and collaborate with people through it because you start to realize that you have to fortify your mind and build resiliency, mind, body, and spirit. So good. I want to, I want to um, ask some more questions based on kind of like how you operate because you, You've been able to transition. You've been able to identify some areas you needed to work on. You obviously came through a lot with your wife having some things that she was working on and Mm -hmm. um, as well as you kind of finding your purpose and really defining how that looks and creating the flywheel and all of the amazing things that you've uh, put out there, which I've grown a lot from. Like I, I told you, ice cold exposure is 
one of those things I'm like, I just don't get it because I've done it in the past. I, I just like, I hate it. I hate it. And, uh, for the last, I don't know, month and a half, I've been turning the cold, the yes. shower to as cold as I can at the end. And it, and it, it's, it's, I first tried to do cold exposure for the physiological benefits, which there is a lot of them. But then I realized with talking to you that there's so much more than the physiological elements. And that's where everything started to shift. And that's exactly what you do. You have, you have like the purpose shift. You're all about getting people to shift into another mode of operation, a better mode of operation, really operating out of your purpose. Um, what other things do you do to kind of keep your sauce sharp? What other daily practices or things are you involved in that have helped you develop to be a better um, leader, a better business owner, a better individual all around? Honestly, over the past two years, because I'm from Canada, we are closed for seven months total, like our gym. So that was a stressor. And I realized I needed to read my Bible more. I needed to read it every single day and I needed to pray. And once I when I did that, I felt more comfort and peace, no matter what was going on. So that's like a non-negotiable for me. I have to do that every single day. And I write every single morning. I make a cup of coffee and I write. And that started two years or a year and a half ago that I committed to writing every single day and putting my thoughts out there because that scared me. That's another discomfort thing. And that I found out the more I did it, the more I put my thoughts out there, the better I got at writing. I'm still not fantastic, but the more, the less I cared about people's opinions. So it was just consistency with that. And currently building on my nighttime routine a bit more, but I think bookending, I don't know if this is a term, but maybe I should patent it if it is, but bookending your day with routines. So having more into having nighttime routine, like gratefulness in the nighttime, and then all these different things in the morning, it enables you to have a better day and builds you as a person and then continued fitness. So doing different challenges um, just to build a mental resiliency and also physical. So last year I did five hours in the assault bike uh, for a charity. And my goal this year is to do a 12, I should make sure I know what it is, 10 hour one. What I realized is that's the purpose behind what's the purpose behind it. If I just said, I want to ride on the bike for 10 hours, it probably wouldn't happen because there's no purpose behind it. That's the big key point you have. When you pursue something, attach yourself to the reason you're pursuing it. So if I was just doing it for myself and I said, I just want people to notice me, I would probably quit at hour two, but I recorded myself live. And I said, I'm going to donate everyone who, gives money while I do this. I'm going to donate it to this, the food bank. And there was a purpose behind it. So I would have to pull out and not be able to donate the money because I wouldn't feel good about that. Right. So you have to attach yourself to that. And I'm pretty sure I went on the rabbit trail with that. I don't even know what the question was anymore. Oh, keep well, myself sharp. That was really good. And you've also mentioned um, being part of mastermind. And I know you're very intentional yes. about I, finding time to spend with other people who are going to help you move the needle and who you'll help move the needle. Um, I really like the book ending, like the, like, because, you know, if, if anybody's listened to me on other podcasts, I talk a lot about my morning routine. It is dialed. It's been, you and I have kind of been on this journey for a very similar amount of time. Mine probably two and a half years ago really started to formulate where I started to do hard things and started to develop these and really search out a routine that worked for me. But that's the next step. That's the next step. I don't, I hardly anybody talks about bookending your day, starting and ending. And I think that is a next level piece of advice. I, I really like that. Just a little plug here, because I think I'm going to let you plug your, your businesses, which is really important because what you have is phenomenal, but um, you and I, have another podcast that's releasing very yeah. soon. It might probably is released by the time this episode releases. So uh, for the audience, before I forget, I wanted to say, and there's more to this podcast. Don't stop listening. I wanted to say uh, we've created a podcast called the principles of growth because we're both so passionate about this. Uh, what mm -hmm. are the principles that will help you grow? And we talk in depth about these things that you're hearing Matt talk about mostly Matt kind of feeds 
that machine. It's just, it's incredible. So if you are on a journey of growth, it's a great resource for you. What are the, so you, you, you just do hard things every day. You obviously, you called it bookending. You, you start your day with a coffee and, and the Bible and prayer, and then you do cold exposure every day. What other elements, what are some other elements you feel are absolutely non-negotiable in your life that other people would benefit from? Connection and vulnerability. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking as if I have it all figured out, but I don't. Uh, there's those things you always have to battle against and creating a network of people and a connection between people that you could be vulnerable with and honest with, and that help you grow is huge. That circle, that, uh, iron sharpens iron aspect. So not, not searching out people that just try to flatter you all the time, but people, you know, are kind and kind being can speak loving truth, meaning like we're friends, Scott, if you're like, Hey, I don't think this is the best thing for you. I don't think what you're doing is beneficial. Then I, I want to surround myself with those people, even if it's hard and I might not react perfectly all the time, but I think that's important is it's that that's uncomfortable too. And what you mentioned earlier, and I thought was awesome. I don't think you noticed you said it, but the feeling you get before an ice bath, and it's not just the physiological benefits from it, but it's, that's the same feeling I get when I have to have a hard conversation. I was building it up way more in my mind. So our mind is, can be a powerful thing, or it can be a really detrimental thing to us. Depends how you, you talk about it and what your narrative is. Man, you bring up difficult conversations. That is one that you just have to bite the bullet. It's like getting in ice cold water. You just have to get in. There's so much growth on the other side of it. So much connection. Yeah. Uh, it's been a hard lesson to learn for many, <laughs> for many yeah. years. All right. I think a few more questions. One, um, I know you consume a lot of, a lot of materials and yep. um, sometimes I have a, I have a running list that, you know, we kind of operate on the same type of operating system, which I talk about a lot, but you, you sent you, you give me lots of books to listen to. So I'm adding them to my list and I actually started one today, but you add them to my list. And what is the, the most needle moving book or the book that's moved your needle the most in the last you know six months to a year? Well, I think of one right away, but it would have been longer than six months. The Courage to be Disliked. Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me. Uh, I currently am reading, reading Breathe. Yes. And I think what doesn't kill us, it's talking about Wim Hof, his experience with Wim Hof. That's what I'm reading right now. And just understanding and realizing that this there's truth in that not being uncomfortable or pursuing hundred percent comfort is making us sick, like physically sick and ill, like all these metabolic diseases stem from there's not enough hardship, right? I'm not talking about like this pandemic has been hard, but physical and having to go through those hard things actually help people live longer but not just longer, but live well. Those are good. Breathe was mind, a real mind shift for me. It was a real mind shift. Of course, I'm going to have to add those others you talked about. Um, I can't really keep up with you. At least I don't feel like I can, but I know I have well, book recommendations coming from every angle. So, And I should say I read probably, I'm scattered. Like half of these books I probably haven't read or I read the first part and I try to, because I, I believe you should apply them. Absolutely. What's the use of going through them and not applying yeah. them? Um, so the breathe one for the past three years, I've been nose breathing for all my workouts already. Um, so that's another thing that helps me stay sharp and stay calm. Breathing is such a, an important thing in controlling our physiological response, controlling our brain. There's so many things that are so important in that. So that's really good advice. Before I ask the last question, I want you to go ahead and tell us about your services you've alluded to them throughout this podcast uh let's let's focus on the ones that anybody can tap into and as well tell us where to find you so the big one i'm really pushing a lot of energy into right now is the purpose shift like you mentioned before it's a hard one to explain but it's for those people that they're experiencing empty success like they're getting everything that should make them happy but there's still something missing there they're they're doing things for other people. There's no purpose behind them. There's no meaning yeah. behind them. 
also those people that are fearful and are letting fear steal their time. So I, I go through that whole hierarchy that I was mentioning. And like you said, I probably spend most of my time on that identity piece and understanding, helping them understand who they are and how they can best be of service to people and their community around them. And then the other business is Greater Purpose Health and Fitness, where we focus on the mindset, the training, and the nutrition around physical health. So important. All of those things are so incredibly mm-hmm. important. And then you have a passion for the outdoors, which I share yes. with you. You talk about flow state. In fact, I'm, I'm finding a very um, big commonality in guests on this podcast is flow state. And I find my flow state when I'm mountain biking, hiking, or generally in nature. It's, I can't work, but my brain is going crazy and creative ideas and I'm solving problems and things just come. And so I think you probably operate the same way. Yeah. When I'm outdoors in nature, the smells, the sights, Mm -hmm. it's just like, and even washes away a bunch of anxieties too. It's like, it doesn't matter. This there's so much goodness out there and going to it's like doing saunas. So I have a sauna I built in my backyard out of my shed. That's another flow state one where you just can disconnect and you can't have your phone in there. I don't bring my phone and the same thing. It's a flow state, cutting the lawn, things that the, the basically the simplest way to think about it is create space, yeah. create space from these loud voices everywhere around you. Don't give them, don't give them so much space in your mind that you can't actually experience the life that you're a part of. All right. Uh, last question. If you could go back in time and share any piece of advice with yourself, what would that be? I think it would be the common theme of this whole thing is don't be afraid. Try, just do it. Some bad things could happen, but once you realize what's on the other side of those limitations or limiting beliefs or fear, it's so much better than ever letting it control your life. Well, Matt, I know we can find you on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. You're very active in those areas. We of course have the principles of growth podcast. You have the adventurous, you have an, if you research Matt Chenard and, and Apple podcasts, you should find three or four, fun things. You do some really fun, yep. adventurous things with your wife and you document yep. those. Um, you guys, this guy is just an absolute wealth of knowledge and wealth of what I would, I would say genuinely is wisdom in how to operate at a higher level. So be sure to check out the show notes. All of those links are there. You just go to each one of them and follow them because you're going to get a nugget. I would say every single day, you're, you're very, very good at that. Um, Matt, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. I I personally really appreciate it and learned a lot. Thank you, Scott. It's my pleasure and always happy to do this with you. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week. 